Engaging Leader, episode 179, Leading with Emotional Courage, featuring Peter Bregman. inspire trust, passion, and action? Welcome to the Engaging Leader Podcast with Jesse Leahy, consultant, writer, and speaker. Jesse has helped executives engage hundreds of thousands of people. Join us now for principles to communicate, engage, and lead with greater impact. Welcome to the show, Engagers. I am so excited today to be welcoming Peter Bregman back on Engaging Leader. We had Peter with us back on episode 104 to talk about his previous book, Four Seconds. And uh, we talked about quick and counterintuitive ways to get the results you want. I loved that book and I love this new book from Peter as well. It's a very important book called Leading with Emotional Courage. How to Have Hard Conversations, Create Accountability, and Inspire Action on Your Most Important Work. Now, at first, that title didn't sound very interesting to me, but knowing how much I love Peter's work, I picked it up anyway and within 60 seconds recognized how important this book is. The premise is that it's not about knowing what to say or do to be a great leader. It's about whether you're willing to experience the discomfort, risk, and uncertainty of saying or doing it. And if you're willing to feel everything, you can do anything. I haven't heard anybody else say that before, but it rang true for me immediately thinking about my 20 plus years in leadership and consulting. And it connected in a powerful way with things that I've been having a growing realization about in my own life regarding why most of us, including me, avoid feeling and why this avoidance creates a huge drain on productivity as well as just our authentic connections and relationships. In recent months, I found myself leaning into awkward conversations more, I guess having the courage to do that, to recognize that let's just go ahead and have the conversation even though it feels awkward and painful and risky and vulnerable. And over and over again, I've been finding out that's the right move to make. And all this is very well articulated in Peter's book. And then he goes on to provide lots of great practical tips on how to put that into action. Just a quick bit of background about Peter Bregman before we jump into the content. For over 30 years, he's worked with CEOs and senior leaders to help them create accountability and inspire collective action on their most important work. In addition to being a best-selling author, he is a, an executive coach and speaker in the areas of leadership development, organizational change, productivity, and of course, emotional courage. And he has his own podcast. Definitely encourage you to check that out, the Bregman Leadership Podcast. And we'll put links to all of those resources and books and his blog on uh and articles in Harvard Business Review in our show notes for this episode. So without further ado, let's get into it. Peter Bregman, welcome back to Engaging Leader. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here again. Peter, how do you define emotional courage? What's this all about? So emotional courage is the willingness to feel everything. And and I, I like to describe it this way. Jesse, if you think about, and for all listeners, think about a hard conversation that you're not having. Right, a conversation that you know you should have, that you want to have, 
that you're prepared to have, but you just haven't had yet, or you keep procrastinating. And think about why. And I'm willing to bet you know exactly what you want to say, that you've had every opportunity to say it, and that you have plenty of skills in order to say it well or elegantly, and so or elegantly enough. And so then the question is, then why haven't you had it? And it's because there's something you don't want to feel. Meaning if I have to have a hard conversation with you, I might feel your anger, my own anger. I might feel the disconnection or the conflict. I might feel shame or embarrassment. I might feel you know, hopelessness or, or frustration or anxiety. I might feel any number of things I don't want to feel. And because I don't want to feel those things, then I don't follow through on what's most important to me. And the key element of emotional courage is if you're willing to feel everything, if you're willing to feel all of those things I just described, then you can do anything. You could take any risk. You can live through failure. You could, if you're willing to feel all of these emotions, you can do the hard tasks. You can say the hard things. You can follow through with the hard actions that allow you to accomplish more than you can otherwise imagine. I think in the past, first of all, I'm not sure I would have been interested in the premise of the book about about being willing to feel everything. But I, I also think I would have said, you know, Peter, I don't actually have all these feelings you're you're describing. I think I have very few <laughs> feelings, maybe like anger and impatience and overwhelm. And that's it. Um, what's going on there with someone like that who, who thinks they don't really have feelings? I love that question. It's great. And, and yeah, I, what's happening with someone who thinks that they don't have feelings is that they are in denial <laughs> and, and, they're, and they're repressing the feelings. And here's the thing, when, when I, you know, we all know these people and, and you, you know, the, it's, it's sort of almost most familiar in the, in the new age movement in some ways where these people who are smiling and they're gritting their teeth and through gritted teeth, they say, no, I'm not angry. No, I'm very happy. I'm very happy. You know, life is perfect. And, and they're seething and you can see it. And, and it's like if, if we are committed to not feeling things, then those feelings and the energy that's in our bodies that lead us to feel those things start to leak out in insidious ways. So if I tell you I'm not angry at you and I don't actually even feel my anger at you consciously, but you've done something to offend me. And, and I, and somewhere in there is anger that I'm not really in touch with, then I'm going to get passive aggressive with you. And I'm going to do all sorts of things to release that anger or worse, I'm going to go home and I'm going to yell at my kids. Mm. Like if anybody has this experience of like, have a day at work that somehow bleeds into your personal life, right? So stuff happens and you can't get mad at your boss. You can't externalize it in some way. And then you come home and you yell at your kids and it's like, wow, like what is going on? It's because you're feeling stuff that you're not acknowledging and that it's finding its way out in a safer for you way, but not necessarily safer for your life or for you know the people around you or for what you, the way you wanna show up in the world. For a lot of us, that that denial of the feelings began so early in life that it's now just second nature. It's not even like we're pretending. I mean, it really is. We we've totally shut those feelings down. But in yeah. the and in the book, you, you you say you know, but but we all actually feel things deeply, and we had emotional courage when we were younger, and we can have it again. 
Exactly. So it, it, I love what you brought up because I wouldn't say for some of us, I would say for all of us. So in a nutshell, here's the psychology. Here's what happens. You are a little kid and you're fancy free and go lucky and you'll say anything and you'll do anything and everything feels fine. But you do something and in one form or other, it either scares or angers a caretaker of yours, right? It could be your right. parent. It could be your caretaker. And so they shut it down. And then you get really upset that a part of you has been shut down. So you come back at them with rage. And we've all seen that two-year-old rage, right? You come <laughs> back at them with rage. And then they get even more scared or worried or angry or whatever it is that their stuff's going on. So they come down with you harder and shut that down because they, we better teach you that that's not okay what you're doing. And then you learn as a two-year-old, as a very, very young child, you learn that I have to act a certain way and express myself a certain way and show up a certain way in order to survive because your very survival is reliant upon this caretaker who you have just angered and has just shut you down. And so what we all do is we develop these people-pleasing masks. We learn what we need to do and how we need to show up in order to keep the people around us happy and in order to keep their anger at bay and in order to get what we need from people, which on a very, very basic, you know, lowest bar, you know, Maslow kind of hierarchy is our own safety and then, you know, our physical comfort. And, and we are going to sacrifice what we need to sacrifice in terms of our true selves in order to please the people around us in order to stay safe. And that is how early we start to stuff down our emotions and make sure that we show up the way people want us to show up in a mask. And what we have to relearn and what I'm bringing people through in leading with emotional courage, it's really a process, is how do you begin to reclaim who you are and recognize that you can fully show up in the ways that you need to show up to achieve and accomplish the things that you want to achieve and accomplish, to work with people effectively, to achieve larger purposes that you you know are setting out to achieve. How do you do that in a way where you don't leave people behind and you don't leave yourself behind either and you're willing to feel the stuff that allows you to move through it. So, you know, if you want to, if you need to express yourself in some way and normally you would shut that down, you might have to feel the risk, the vulnerability of speaking the truth in order, your truth to power in order to be able to move the organization from point A to point B. And that's hard to do, but that's, you know, what we have to relearn what we knew as kids. So these feelings are real. We all do feel deeply, even if we're not aware of it. And if we don't take the time to process those feelings and express them appropriately, they're going to leak out in negative ways. And we're also just going to probably have fears that become obstacles to authentically relating to people and expressing needs and accountabilities in the workplace. That's exactly right. And, and I'll, I'll show you how it uh, shows up a little bit, which is the, how I've structured leading with emotional courage, which is the, it's broken up into four sections, right? Confidence in yourself, connection to others, commitment to purpose, and emotional courage. And leaders, and I really uh, define leaders very liberally, meaning I think anybody who takes strong action to move forward in something they care about in their lives is a leader. And anytime you're doing something that's in any way different from everybody around you, you're by definition leading. Leaders need to demonstrate all four of those, confidence, connection, commitment to purpose, and, and emotional courage. Uh, and, and most people we know are good at one or two of them. So we all know people who are really confident in themselves. And by confidence, I mean, 
a real confidence. I don't mean a fake confidence. <laughs> the, the sort of arrogance is fake confidence. Thinking I'm better than everybody else is fake confidence. And that's actually a fake confidence that's born of insecurity, right? Insecure people need to be better than everybody around them. Insecure people can never not know something, right? Mm. So that's not confidence. Confidence is not ever not knowing something. Confidence is actually being willing to not know something and not lose yourself in the process, to stay grounded in the face of other people's criticism because you don't need everybody to be in love with you. So it, there's tremendous feeling in this confidence in self. And we all know people who are confident in themselves who have that, but are disconnected from others, who make it all about them in a sense. But in order to be an effective leader, you need to be confident in yourself and deeply connected with the people around you, trusting and trusted by them right? Connected to them. And you also need to be committed to something bigger than both of you. Otherwise, you know, you're in a friendship, but you're not necessarily leading. And, and so, and we all know people who are connected to others, but not confident in themselves and they will give themselves up to please the people around you. Right. That's the, that's the situation right. I described, you know, when, when, um, I'm talking about what we did as children in order to please our parents or caretakers. And, and we all know also people who are committed to purpose and they're willing to lose themselves and burn out and lose everybody else <laughs> in the process as long as they keep kind of charging, forging ahead, you know, leaving a, a you know, battleground of, of disheveled people behind them. So to be an effective leader, you need to be confident in yourself, connected to others, committed to purpose. And all of that comes together with emotional courage because you can't possibly be all three of those things without having a healthy dose of emotional courage. What's the difference between emotional courage and emotional intelligence, which is a topic that many of our listeners are aware of? Yeah, you know, emotional intelligence is a very intellectualized conversation. So most people can talk about emotional intelligence, can articulate other people who who, you know, they think are emotionally intelligent, but uh, but it, uh, it's very, very rare that I've been part of a conversation with emotional intelligence that involves feeling, right? <laughs> because it's like an incredibly intellectualized academic conversation. And, and we talk about what we see and what we can control, but we don't actually talk about feeling. And so we've managed to engage in this very broad, widespread, deep conversation about emotions without feeling anything. And that gets in our way because what actually, and that's why, by the way, you can have incredibly emotionally intelligent people who don't move forward on what's most important to them. Mm. Because the challenge of moving forward in something is not about what you know. I've never seen a leader fail because they don't know enough. They fail because they don't close the gap between what they know and what they do, right? It's mm. not hard to say every leader every leader will say listening is important. I don't know a single leader who would say to either you or me, it's not important to listen. <laughs> right. But how many leaders do we know who don't listen very effectively and that fundamentally gets in the way of, of how they lead? And so the, the gap between emotional courage and emotional intelligence is the gap between what I actually do and what I simply know. And to close the gap between what you know and what you do is the key to all of your success. And that is a gap that's closed by emotional courage. All right. Now, here is a, an emotion that I'm feeling right now, and I bet a lot of our listeners are too. And it's fear at the idea of people being emotional at work. Are you 
encouraging people to be emotional at work and cause that kind of drama that can come about? (laughs) It's a great question. I think people should totally be emotional at work, but, (laughs) but don't stop listening yet. But, um, but I, I have a different definition of emotional, right? So I think the key to being thoughtful and strategic and intentional and not messy is to be willing to feel all of your feelings, which is what I call emotional. I'm incredibly emotionally capable, but I'm not, uh, I'm, I, I, I do think it's a mistake to be messy with your emotions and spill them out all over everybody because that's how you feel. I'm not a proponent of expressing every emotion that you have. Right? I think that actually gets in the way. But if you are not willing to feel your emotions, then you will for sure be very messy about how they spill out. Right? So that's the, that's the example of getting mad at work and not realizing it and then screaming at your children. Hmm. So I think we should be willing to feel everything. If I'm, if I'm not willing to feel my anger in a moment – then I'm going to I'm gonna get silent. Let's say I'm super angry at you. You do something, Jesse, and I get really angry and we're in a meeting and I'm not willing to feel it. Then I'm feeling that anger, but it stops me from talking because I can't deal with it. If I'm really messy with it and dramatic about it, then I'll slam my hand on the table and scream and maybe even curse and call you a name and talk about how this is crazy and, <laughs> and then walk out, right? Yeah. And I'm not advocating either of those. I'm not advocating shutting down and I'm not advocating blowing up. What I am advocating is feeling the anger without losing control of yourself, right? So you're, when you develop your emotional courage, you develop your capacity to feel, then you could feel everything. Right, And I could feel incredibly angry at you and I could take a breath and I could say, you know what, that's what anger feels like. Anger feels like this knot in my chest and like, you know, steam coming out of my ears and this is what anger feels like. Let me breathe. Let me recognize that I am not anger. In English, you know, our language is very interesting. We say, I am angry. <laughs> in a lot of other languages, we say, I have anger. Mm. Right? Yes. I have anger as opposed to I am angry. I am angry means there is no distinction between me and my anger and I'm just going to blow up, right? Which makes an emotion very, very scary. But if you have anger, then you're separate from your emotion. And if you're grounded and confident in yourself, you could feel it and go, okay, I'm really angry. Now, let me ask myself a question. What's causing my anger? Huh, there is a disconnect right now from how things are going uh, versus how I want them to go. How do I want them to go? What's my best shot at getting there? I should probably have this conversation with that person. So right now, what's the most strategic thing I could do? Why don't I raise the issue that we take this offline and then I have a reasonable conversation with them, letting them know how I see it and why it might be in their best interest to go in my direction. Great. I'm going to go do that. Only someone who is willing to feel their emotions and not get overtaken by them can do what I just did. And, you know, in the heat of the moment at the time. And that's an incredible skill. The most successful leaders have that skill. So it's essentially noticing the emotion and uh, thinking about it, maybe noticing where in your body you're feeling it and identifying where it comes from. And then maybe some emotions you let go, like, okay, I'm just going to let that, let that one go. Yeah. And then others, I need it, there. There's an appropriate thing to action or conversation to have here to make sure that uh, a legitimate need is met. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly right. So some people, I guess, in the scenario that you just described, maybe need to excuse themselves um, for a quick break away from if they're in a meeting and your your blood is boiling. Sometimes you maybe need to take a little break um, to calm down, I guess. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I, you know, an emotion is energy in your body. It's literally energy moving around your body, right? And sometimes that energy is, you know, like when you have practice, you can contain it. Um, Sometimes you can't. And, you know, sometimes what you have to do is excuse yourself, walk nicely out of the room, walk into the bathroom, shut the door, turn on the vent so it makes a little noise, and scream your head out and and stomp on the ground and, you know, move that energy so that you can go back in and go, okay, great. Now let's have this conversation. (laughs) (laughs) You know, if you're working out of your house, you go into your room and you slam your fists on your bed a bunch of times and then you walk out and you go, okay, I'm good. Let's keep talking. (laughs) So it's, yeah, I mean, you, you, the more skilled you are, the more you can kind of shift that energy around. But it's, um, that energy is real. And, you know, as I'm hearing myself talk, I can imagine, you know, myself from 10 years ago, uh, or maybe as we talked about beforehand, maybe you from two years ago or a year ago, like listening to me and saying, you're kind of a crazy man. Uh, you know, like this is all fine and good, but it's very touchy feely and like, it's, you know, not serious business. And I, I just want to like, you know, put into context that the work I do is with CEOs of the largest companies that you know, that we do, you know, I grew up in the world of consulting, that my focus is on helping individuals and organizations achieve outcomes, get massive traction on the work that's most important to them. And so this is not, I mean, this will help you feel better for sure, but this is not about helping you feel better. This is about helping you move through the hard spots that are blocking you, the obstacles, the stuck places that are preventing you from doing what is most important and getting on with the real work. And uh, in order to do that, fortunately or unfortunately, you're going to have to feel your feelings. So when you, when you do that, you're both building up these skills and this courage, but you're also just creating a lot of authentic connection and trust from your team, aren't you? Yeah, I mean you're that's beautiful and you're you're real. They you know you're trustworthy because you're you're not hiding something. When someone says no, I'm not angry and they're angry, everybody knows <laughs> it. Everybody knows it. I mean you you know those people, right? And those people are not trustworthy. You never really know what to expect from them. But if you can have someone say I am angry and I'm not going to let it take over, but I'm angry and let me explain why and let's try to resolve it. Well, that's someone you could trust. That's someone you know is going to tell you the truth. So, you know, your trustworthiness comes from your truth-telling and your ability to be real and vulnerable and strong at the same time. People are worried about being vulnerable because they think it signals weakness, but it's precisely the opposite. To be vulnerable requires tremendous and reads as tremendous strength. When you're vulnerable, it means I am strong enough to be able to expose areas that are weaknesses without having it destroy me. I don't need to show up as some perfect person for me to feel okay or for me to stand with confidence in front of you and advocate for something. I, 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 don't, I don't need that. I'm, I'm okay being imperfect and I don't lose myself as a result of that. 
that's a really important and powerful and strength communicating skill as opposed to trying to hide all of your vulnerabilities, which literally reads as weakness. Yeah. Initially, it sounds like we're just being touchy-feely, but it's actually very practical and powerful. So I'm thinking, like, just to demonstrate that, how, if you think of that situation where you need to tell someone a hard truth in a way that they can hear it, um, what kind of tips do you have to do that using emotional courage? Well, the first thing I would do is say, start with the punchline. I, I, I can't tell you how many conversations I used to be in, and certainly that I watch, where someone is, uh, you know, spends 20 minutes setting up a <laughs> hard message. Yes. And it's like, it's painful for them. It's painful for the person listening to the message. They're sitting there saying, ah, am I getting promoted or fired? It's really hard <laughs> to tell. <laughs> and, and it's, you know, and the reason we do it is because we try to delay the cringe moment, right? We try to delay that moment when we're like, I'm letting you go, right? And we're trying to delay it. Mm. And so we're, we're, we're giving all this background and we're giving, you know, we're trying to smooth it out and we're trying to make it easier. And that's always a mistake. And, and the, what you do is you start with saying, here's the thing, this, is, this isn't working out and I'm letting you go. And I want to, to the extent that you want to know, I want to explain why. But you've, you've, you've gotten over the hard hump and everything else after that is a um, softer conversation as opposed to the tension of holding out on the main message and everybody's sitting there stressing out about when that main message comes. So that's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say for a hard or difficult conversation is to listen, mm. is to really empathize, is to understand what's going on for the other person. That if you've ever been in one of those conversations where the other person's repeating themselves over and over and over <laughs> again, and you're like throwing your hands up in the air going, why enough? I know it. I get what you're <laughs> saying, but here's the thing. That the, why do you think they're repeating themselves, right? I mean, they're repeating themselves because they don't believe you've heard them. And as soon as they believe you've heard them, they're going to stop repeating themselves. And when you say, stop it already, I got it, but here's the thing you're not understanding, that that little phrasing, you know, yes, but, hmm. conveys to the other person that they haven't been heard, right? So yeah. if you're in a difficult conversation like that, you have to stop, you have to actually look at the person, or, or, you know, pay attention to them. If you're online, if you're on a phone call with them, you know, stop planning your travel while you're talking to them and, and just like really pay attention to them and then repeat back what you've heard and ask open-ended questions and then ask them, does it, do, have I, you know, this is what I've been hearing you say, have I understood it? And as soon as they say, yes, you've understood it. Or by the way, if they say, no, you've missed it, don't say repeat yourself, say, well, thanks. Can you point out for me specifically what part I missed? Mm. Right. Because that way you are getting really clear and they can repeat what the, just the part that they need to repeat. And then you could repeat it back to them and say, if I understood it and they said, yeah, that's it. And then they're done and they're not going to keep repeating themselves and they're open to hearing what you have to say. And I call that empathy and then assert, right? Empathize first and then assert, right? And, and those, there's just a couple of tricks that help you to stay connected to people and have difficult conversations and, and, uh, and make sure that the messages are getting across and that you're hearing and learning what you need to. Peter, also, what happens when you're in the heat of the moment and you've 
provoke some emotion there. What are some questions you can ask yourself to just ensure that the, the rest of the conversation goes in the right direction? So it's a, it's a great question. And it's, um, and it's kind of like you're asking the question, once you have felt the anger, for example, and it's not always anger, you might feel sadness, you might feel, you know, frustration or anxiety or whatever, what do you do next? And, you know, you take that breath and you're separating yourself from it. And then ask yourself, what's the outcome that I want? Right? What am I going for in this situation? So I'm not just going to go blurt out whatever I'm feeling, but what is it that I want? What outcome do I want? And what should I communicate to achieve that outcome? Right? So what's my next move if I want to get to that outcome? And how should I communicate it? So maybe I have to hold off. Maybe I communicate it you know, uh, uh, in, in writing at some point because that's the last question. Sort of when should I communicate it? So you sort of want to know what, what outcome you want and then what do you want to communicate? How do you want to communicate it? And when should you communicate it that will most likely get you to that outcome? Hmm. Well, the book again is Leading with Emotional Courage. We're talking to Peter Bregman. Peter, where can folks get their hands in this book and find out more about your work? And, and what if someone wants to start working with you in their organization? Um, the, the book is leading with emotional courage. So you should be able to get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever books are sold. Um, uh, but you know, Amazon's an easy way to get it. You can also go to our website, bregmanpartners.com, B-R-E-G-M-A-N-P-A-R-T-N-E-R-S.com. And you know, the book is featured there and also the work that we do in organizations, both with kind of advisory work with senior leaders and also, the you know kind of scaled coaching to move help organizations move forward in their most important work. Uh, all of that information is on the website. Fantastic. Peter, it's been so great to have you again on the show. Thanks for joining us. Jesse, thanks so much for having me. It's a lot of fun. All right, Engagers, we'll provide the information and links that Peter mentioned on our show notes for this episode, which you can find on our website at engagingleader.com forward slash 179 as in episode 179. Our thanks to Monica Harrison, our producer, Tom Hitchcock, our programming director, James Marler, our sound engineer, J.J. Leahy, our social media guru, Rick Tarrant, our announcer, and Max Brody, who composed our theme music. Until next time, remember, in the 21st century, the real movers and shakers aren't just leaders, they're engagers. They're engagers.